In your Bible this morning to the book of Matthew, chapter number 6, had no earthly idea that my daughter-in-law would be singing about prayer. And uh, I want to take just a moment this morning and maybe next week and maybe next week. Now, this message is kind of like baloney. When you get through with it, just slice it off and we'll go home and we'll take up next week. Because the paper will still be around it and it'll be okay next week, all right. I was reading uh, this morning, I read before, Luke eleven twenty one. The disciples came to our Lord and made this request. Lord, teach us to pray. Not teach us how to pray, but teach us to pray. Most generally, our prayer life is more fruitful and more faithful when we got our nose in a crack. When our checking account is overdrawn. When our car won't start and the wife won't cook, we learn how to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. If probably there is a lackadaisical attitude in any area in the Christian walk, more than likely it is in the area of prayer. Most of us will read our Bible more faithful than we fervently pray. Luke 18, 1 says men ought always to pray and not to faint. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. The Apostle Paul closed out the book of 2 Thessalonians with these words, Pray ye without ceasing. It must be a very important thing for us to learn to pray. Today in the book of Matthew, chapter number 6, this portion of scripture is known as the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus got his disciples together and was tediously and intently and fervently teaching his disciples fundamentals of the Christian faith. In verse number 1, of chapter 6, he says, take heed, be careful, be cautious, take notice, take heed about your giving down through verse number 4. I believe with all my heart, if our church was as fervent about praying as we are about our giving, If we were as faithful with our praying as we are with our giving. Now most pastors would complain because their church is not a given church. Well, ours is a given church. A very generous church, a gracious church, obedient church in the matter of giving. But would you be honest with me and with yourself and with God today? We're probably not as honest about our praying as they are without our 
without, without our giving. That is not to ridicule, it is not to blame, it is not to shame. It's to encourage us about this matter of praying. And Jesus was so particular about it. If you notice in verse number 5 of Matthew chapter number 6, he took for granted that if you're saved, he says, and when thou prayest, as to assume that any child of God that has been saved, washed in the blood, forgiven of their sins, feet set on the solid rock, in a personal relationship with the Heavenly Father, he assumed that anybody was in that relationship would never get so busy that they would hinder and forget to pray. And when thou prayest, he said, to assume, to take for granted that everybody who's saved is going to pray. Would you assume that? And when thou prayest, verse number six, but thou when thou prayest, verse number seven, but when ye pray, verse number nine, after this manner, therefore, pray ye. He must be pretty serious about this thing about prayer. And so our Lord wants us to know not only to pray, but how to pray. And then he says in verse number five, when thou prayest, Thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are they, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have the reward. But when thou prayest, enter into thy closet or a closed personal private place, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father, which is in secret. And thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. But when thou, but when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. When we pray, it is not to enlighten God on what we need or what we want, because he already knows what we need and what we want. You understand that? And after this manner... Therefore pray ye. Now this is the model prayer. It's not the Lord's prayer. It's the model prayer. It's a prayer by which we are to emulate, which we are to use as a guide by which to pray. And after this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. <clears throat> 
I'm going to ask, have you got anything today in your life that maybe only prayer could handle? I, I see faces today, and those faces, I, I know of some of the needs. I know of some of the wants. I've been praying for those needs and those wants. When I first started this church years ago, I had two lists. One was a membership list and one was a visitor's list. And I'd pray every name every day. I'd pray that the visitors would get on the members list and the members wouldn't act like visitors. <laughs> well, that our church has grown to this size. The list is too large because that's all I'd have time to do. Wouldn't have time to hunt play golf and all the important things in my life. After this manner, pray ye. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. What a prayer. Now I'd like to kind of help you a little bit. In Mark chapter 11 verse 17, let me quote it for you if you would please. Is it not written that my house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer? You got that? Mark eleven seventeen. Is it not written that my house, Jesus is speaking, my house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer? Now, if you've checked me out, that's probably what your Bible would say. Now, I'd like to bring that thought, the house of prayer, to a more personal Application. If you have your Bible, you'll find in 1 Corinthians 6 and 19, many of you can quote it. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own. If God's house is to be the house of prayer and your body and my body is the house of God, then what you're running around in, your body is to be the house of what? The house of prayer. The house of prayer is not the church building. It's the temple of God. It's the habitation of God. What? Didn't you know that your body is the temple of God? What you have of God? 
You're not your own. You're bought with a price. What a shame to rob God of his house of communication. His house of intimacy. What a shame for a Christian to get so busy that God's house has no time for the God of the house. Would it be all right this morning since I failed to punch the button on today's sermon? (laughs) I preach to you on the house of prayer. You know, it's that one you've stole from God. You know that one that he purchased at Calvary. You know the house that he bought with his own blood. The one he saved. The one he sanctified. The one he's taken to heaven. What a shame it is for us to be too busy to make God's house what it really ought to be. The house of prayer. Well, I see right now I need to tell a joke. The temple of the Holy Spirit, our body should be the house of prayer. Anything that distracts from vital prayer in our life is a treacherous thief. Anything that robs us of the privilege and the power and the potential of prayer is a treacherous thief. Foolish to allow ourselves to be so robbed of the power and the presence of the almighty God. Amen. I read the other day, if you could kick the person responsible for most of your troubles in the backside, you wouldn't be able to sit down for a month. See, the guy gives you the problems, the person you comb his hair every morning. You might blame everybody else in the world, but you are your biggest problem. And if I was God, I wouldn't bless anybody that was so treacherous and so sinful and so selfish as not to pray. I'm as guilty as anybody, but not as guilty as some. Could I ask you a question? What can prayer do? Anything that God can do. You got a problem? God can fix it. I bet when you pray, you say, dear God, did you know what I'm going through? God said, Lord, no, I had no idea. (laughs) I had no idea that you were so. No, I had no idea that uh, somebody spit in your post toasties this morning. No, I had no idea your wife put ground glass in your post toasties this morning. You ate it right before you come to church. I had no idea. You ain't never thought a thought that God didn't know you was going to think. You do not have a need. You do not have a want. You do not have a hurt. You do not have a sorrow that God is not acquainted with. Prayer can do anything that God can do. I read in a story in the book of Acts chapter number 12. You might want to read it someday. Acts chapter number 12. 
Herod the Great, the meanest, no tyrannical situation you've ever seen, the meanest, the vilest king of all the, all the Bible, has now killed James the Apostle. And the people were so pleased about it, <coughs> he said, I think I'll just kill me another Christian. And so he, <coughs> he went and put Peter in jail. <clears throat> waiting until the holidays to cease and he was going to do the same thing to Peter because it pleased all the people that they were killing Christians. Well, Peter was given to four quadrants of soldiers. I don't know how many that is, but it sounds big, don't it? Four quadrants of soldiers. And these soldiers were to keep Peter in prison all night. And so Peter was asleep at night. The soldiers were asleep at night inside the prison and an angel came from heaven, nudged Peter, said, Peter, wake up. I'm your bail bondsman. And he aroused Peter and he and the angel walked to the first door and it just opened, walked to the next door and just opened and went to the gate and it just opened and the angel took off and Peter went down to the house where the church had been praying all night that Peter would be delivered from jail. And Peter knocked on the door. Little lady came to the door and heard Peter's voice and didn't open the door and went running back inside to the prayer meeting that was going on and said, you never guess who's at the front door. Who's at the front door? The guy you've been praying for. He's at the front door. Peter is at the front door. They said, get out of here. Shut up. He's in jail. <laughs> Can't remind you a lot of us, right? Now, Peter was delivered by the angel, but God delivered the angel to Peter. That's just nothing that God can't do. Because God can do, nothing's impossible with God. And the Bible is very explicit that prayer can do anything God can do. Now, this boggles my mind, and some of you look like you need a boggling job today. This boggles my mind. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Is there anybody here today could stand some mighty things in your life? Is there anybody here today could stand something you couldn't explain? to happen in your life. You know, like Joshua Baptist Church. You know, like a nobody, an absolute nobody. And God takes a nobody and begins to reach a lot of somebodies and all of a sudden, it's God who's done the work. Amen. Call upon me, God said. Call upon me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not That boggles my mind that God answers prayer. And above everything else, if God can do that, we should learn to pray. There could be no greater achievement in my life than me learn to pray that I can pray that God would take my children and use them for his honor and glory. That would God make me a decent husband for a beautiful wife. That God would make me a wise 
preacher that I might lead the church. There's nothing in this world more important than I becoming a person of powerful praying. What a sin it would be for you to call me and say, Preacher, would you pray about something? I've just got got notice that I have cancer. A friend of mine is sick. My mother-in-law is coming to visit me. What kind of preacher would I be if I could not get a hold of the throne of God and God say, yes, I'll answer according to my riches and glory. What kind of crook would I be to take the money that you've paid me all these years and not with all my heart and all my soul want to be a man of prayer? What kind of husband would you be if you're so busy you can't pray for your wife? What kind of wife would you be if you could not pray for your husband and your kids. The day in which transgenderism and homosexuality and same-sex marriage and our little old kids are being confused day by day as they on the on the social media are taught that if they're confused a little bit about the body they're walking around in when they begin to change and have all these uh, youthful feelings and emotions and some nut somewhere tells me you're the wrong body. God help us to get back to the Bible where it says and God created male and female created he them. Amen. Can you say amen? Amen. There's one thing I've never been confused about. Now, there have been a lot of things I've been confused about. I've been bullied. I've been whipped. I've been rat-packed. I've been so whipped so bad I couldn't eat for two weeks or two months sucking through a straw. But I've never been confused about being a he. Now, I wish that a lot of times I'd been a bigger he. Sometimes I wish I'd have been a faster he because they called me. But I have no doubt. And this church has no doubt. It's a good way to run a good sermon. But it boggles my mind. And God is so good that he would take time out of his divine eternal plan and bend his ear to a hell-bound, lost, sinful man like me and have a conversation between a father and a son. Amen. Amen. It boggles my mind. Amen. What can prayer do? Why, it can do anything God can do. Failure to pray is a tragic sin. 1 Samuel 12, verse 23, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord ceasing to pray for you. If you don't like me, if you'll pray for me, it won't be long till God will either change me or you won. Amen. If I don't like me, if I'll pray, it won't be long till God won't change me or change the way I'm looking at things. Prayer changes things. How many folk believe that? 
Note verse 5, and when thou prayest. Verse 6, but when thou prayest. Verse 7, but when you pray. Verse 9, pray ye after this manner. Verses 5 through 8 tells us how not to pray. And verses 9 through 13 tell us how to pray. Amen? Notice, if you would please, it's 1145. And I did not wear my safety watch today. I want you to know that. As most of you know, I stumble a little every once in a while, and it's not cheap beer. It's old, old age. So my loving wife, caring for my safety, bought me a watch that tells my three bodyguards when I fall. And when I fall, the watch dials Andrew, Mandy, and my wife, and it says, your clumsy husband just fell. <laughs> and if they're busy doing something, they don't want to take time to come and get me. Then it notifies 911. <laughs> and they find me by my wristwatch. Yeah. So I fell the other night. I mean, I busted that garage floor. I still got cracks in the garage floor. I looked at my watch. I said, thank God I'm free. They'll be here in no time. And the watch told me what time I fell. That's it. Love that watch. I was preaching Wednesday night. I hit the pulpit. My watch said, what'd you say? I turned to Andrew and I thought Andrew was cussing me back there for preaching. And then my watch said, I don't understand you. I yelled at my hand, shut up! <laughs> I don't know what happened. So I do not have my safety watch on today, so if I fall, would somebody tell my wife I fell? <laughs> Let me help you a little bit. Lord, teach us to pray. Number one, let me talk to you about, just a minute, about the person of prayer. The person of prayer. Verse 9. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Our Father. Our Father. Prayer is for God's children. Our Father. Now notice it says not my Father, but our Father. All those who have received Christ are the children of God. And He's not exclusively my Father, He's our Father. Are, are you glad of that? And the person of prayer is our Father. 
Prayer is a child talking to his or her father. But you must be a child of God for him to be your father. And prayer is only for the father's children because it is communication between a father and a child. And the Bible says, to as many as receive him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. You become a father, you become a child of God by accepting Jesus Christ as your personal savior. And by that means you become a child of God. Then when you pray, you can pray, my father, our father, which art in heaven. Prayer has a personal personal slant to it. Our Father, which art in heaven. The Bible said, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Prayer is not for just a ragtag die up and down the street who know not God. Prayer is not for those who deny the existence of God or Jesus Christ. Prayer are for those, prayer is for those who's been come into a relationship with God the Father as a child, and now it is a child speaking to the Father. You understand what I'm talking about? I've been to a lot of these meetings where you ask somebody to pray and they start they change their voice. And they start speaking in monotone for our father. You ever heard that? Of Rehoboam and Jeroboam and all them boing boys. God must say, hey, I'm your dad. Paul talks about referring to God as Abba, father. It's a Hebrew word meaning daddy. It's a personal word. And when you pray... The person of prayer, you're talking to your father. Years ago, uh, I, I, I did this, and, and I, I think it, it does a lot, of, a lot of good. You don't need to use Shakespearean language when you talk to God. You don't even have to use King James language. Thee and thou and all that kind of stuff. Would you just imagine with me that I go home and... Mandy, now she's, she's kind of hard-headed and like her mom, I guess. And so Mandy meets me at the door and she says, uh, Oh, hail the our eminent pastor of Joshua Baptist Church. I beseech thee, therefore, that thou wouldest grant to thy daughter whom thou lovest some financial assistance that she may sojourn to yonder pharmacy to pick up some cosmetical necessities. And I would say to Mandy, huh? But what if she greeted me at the door and said, hey, Dad, Good to have you home. I was wondering if you'd let me have 10 bucks. I need to go down to the drugstore and pick up some cosmetics. Now, I'd understand that. See, when you pray, 
You're praying to a personal, loving, heavenly Father who Paul says, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Not being disrespectful, but God is your heavenly Father and loves you beyond nth degrees. And you're not going to impress him with your education or your vocabulary. Pray ye after this manner. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The person of prayer. I probably have time to do the purpose of prayer. Watch this. In verse 10, the Bible says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. The person of prayer is our Father. The purpose for prayer and the only purpose for prayer is not to fill our coffers with more money. It's that God's will might be done in his children's life. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What child of God has, that has been blood bought, washed in the blood of Christ, What child of God that had their sins forgiven and the heavy load of sin eradicated in their life, what child of God that has been delivered does not want God's will to be done in their life? That might reveal to you if you are truly saved or not. Because God's child always wants That is will to be done. Where? On earth. As it is in heaven. The Bible says be not unwise. But understanding what the will of the Lord is. Well preacher how can I do God's will? I need to know it. God's will is God's word. Listen. God's will. It's God's word. You want to do God's will? Do God's word. If God's word said don't, it means don't. Even today, it still means don't. If God's will said do, you're right. It says do, it means do. There ain't no big deal about God's will. We got 66 books of God's will. And it won't do you and I any good if we bend our knee and slobber tears for three days if we don't want to do His will. Why should He answer our prayer? Well, I need some more money. 
Why, to buy a boat? To miss Sunday school? Well, you're right. I'm done. God's word is very plain. God's word is God's will. The most important prayer you'll ever pray. Turn with me, if you would please, to the book of Romans, chapter 10. In closing, we'll finish one day. Romans chapter number 10. And I read for you, I think, about verse number 9. Romans 10 says... That if thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Is that what your Bible said? If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, what's it say? Thou shalt be saved. Don't mean you are saved. If you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord, you can be saved. If you don't believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you can't be saved. So that verse says, Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Shall believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart, next verse, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Now there's 18 inches between your head and heart, most of us. That distance sent more people to hell than any distance in the world. It didn't say if you understand it. didn't say if you can explain it. It says if you believe it. And you believe with your heart. You try to understand it with your head. There's no way under heaven... After 50 some years of preaching the gospel. So many degrees on my wall look like a thermometer. I still don't understand why God did what he did to save what he saved. Cost him so much to get so little in return. But that's just the love of God. Amen. So if you believe in your heart. You can be saved. The Bible said, For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Let me show you something. Are there any Baptists here today that's not ashamed of the Lord? Would you slip your hand up? Okay. And if you've been saved, would you raise both of them? If you're really glad of that, wave at me. That's the most joy I've seen around here in a long time. <laughs> For the scripture saith, who shall believe in him shall not be ashamed. I'm not ashamed of my Lord. Amen. Not ashamed of him. Never been any place I've ashamed of him. Amen. And he's not ashamed of me. 
Amen. Notice the rest of the prayer. For there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call on him. Verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The most urgent, the most needful, the most powerful prayer ever to be prayed. It's prayed by me 52 plus years ago as a hellbound, sorry reprobate of a sinner. When I slid off my couch and knelt before my family and said, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a rotten sinner. And I know that hell will be my home should I die right now. But Lord, if you'd be so merciful, you'd save a wretch like me. Please come into my heart and save my soul. That prayer was so powerful. It knocked me out of every beer joint in North Texas. Cleaned my language that I thought could never be clean. Hadn't been in jail and hadn't had a hangover since. Only been whipped by one person. That's my wife. And thank God, one day I come to realize how desperately I needed to pray that prayer. And let me close. It worked. Yeah, he answered that prayer. He canceled my debt. He stamped on my record in heaven paid by the blood of the Lamb. Told the secretary in glory, write his name in the book of life. And I heard the angel from glory, how do you spell Wolfenbarg? <laughs> and all of God's people said amen. amen. Then he summons the master carpenter of all eternity and said, now Jesus, you can start to work on his mansion. Yeah. Go ahead and lay the foundation. He'll be coming home pretty soon. And in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. 